0: Here to tell you more is the supreme authority on all things weird, the world's greatest connoisseur and collector of masks, Mr. Jim Moran. I have seen wonders. I've traveled to the remotest corners of the globe, to dead cities, through savage jungles, to the inner sanctums of esoteric cults. But nowhere in all my travels have I found a mask so absolutely remarkable as this mask, the Miracle Movie Fright Mask, the mask that you will be invited to put on when you see the motion picture called The Mask.
1: Boo, hello, and welcome to another episode of A Part of Our Scaritage i'm one of your hosts sarah chamberlain
2: yes and i'm another one of your hosts adam clark
1: and today we are going to discuss the let me guess let me think about it
2: 1961
1: yes oh my gosh i got it It 1961 movie the mask not the 1994 version no
2: tempting though it would be to classify that as canadian as it does star canada's brightest star jim carrey exactly (laughs) <laughs> yeah wouldn't that be crazy foreshadowing if and this version of the mask uh, a psychiatrist puts on a, a powerful ancient mask but he just becomes an anti-vaxxer but yes this is uh this is the mask and we are celebrating canada day in style because this is canada's first horror movie
0: Our country reeks of trees, but- Purposes.
1: no yeah 100 percent no not getting into it what 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 is the the standard what's the thing you have to accomplish or hit or do to be considered the first horror
2: movie you have to have a scary mask
1: <laughs> oh I see
2: <laughs> so many movies coming out of Canada were like educational or they were light entertainment or, uh, say, art for art's sake. So they weren't dabbling in lowly things like genre movies. And so we didn't have a boom uh, like they did in the United States in the 30s with the Universal Monsters or the silent movies, the silent horrors of uh, Lon Chaney Sr. And we didn't have uh, a boom of horror like... The Brits did with the rise of Hammer in the 50s. Our horror comes with a can-exploitation era that follows The Mask much later in the 70s and 80s. But this is kind of our first one. This is our first baby step into the genre of this is what we can do as a country to make spook-em-ups. Well, after other countries had already been doing it for a long time canada said me too well i'm
1: surprised they ever let us make another horror movie again Ooh,
2: spoilers <laughs> for thoughts on the mask
1: i mean i had never heard of it before you forced it on me. <laughs> <laughs> i'm being dramatic <laughs> Uh, we have don't worry we have to watch all of them so i i I totally don't blame you but also i blame you entirely
2: (laughs) it was either this or watching the pit uh the the movie about a kid with a sentient teddy bear who feeds neighborhood children to troglodytes in a ditch in a park
1: you didn't even offer that option up (laughs)
2: it was I, i distinctly remember saying it's like sarah we can do the mask or we can do the teddy bear movie
1: no you didn't i would have said teddy bear 10 times over you know i would have Well, i
2: guess we know what we're doing next <laughs> <laughs> but i guess on that note you know we've we've we, we were dancing around uh this very exciting moment sarah what happened in the mask can a sane human mind even describe what happened in this film
1: <laughs> luckily there none of those are present so
2: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> sarah what happened in the mask
1: when a mild-mannered bank clerk discovers a magical mask containing the spirit of a norse god in it his entire life changes wait i'm so sorry that's the wrong mask
2: you had me for a minute there i was like (laughs) because my my objection wasn't the fact that you clearly described stanley ipkiss my objection was like (laughs) it's not norse it's south african
1: sarah you dumb dumb (laughs) So the mask begins with a woman being stalked in the forest late at night. No, wait, actually, I've already messed it up. It sounds so it fantastical.
2: <laughs> She's stalked in the forest. Oh,
1: it will when I'm when I'm telling the story without any uh, without any of my written notes. It's going to come out like I'm like around a campfire <laughs> telling them a whimsical tale. Yes,
2: so you have your pouch full of magic dust that you're about to throw in your midnight society fire.
1: Cool. My dream. But that's not actually how it begins. The version we watched begins with an introductory prologue that explains the history and social importance of scary, powerful masks.
2: (laughs) This is true.
0: My name is Jim Moran. I have just returned from a trip around the world collecting strange and unusual masks. I think it's safe to say I'm something of an authority on rare masks. You in this theater are especially privileged to join in seeing the terrifying sights that can only be seen through the mask. Each of you has been given a mask. When you see the mask put on in the picture, you put yours on too. Then you will share an adventure into the darkest, hidden recesses of the human mind.
1: It was pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) and cool. But then we see a woman being stalked in a forest late at night. Uh, Eventually, the pursuer does catch up to her. Unfortunately, kills her. He chokes
2: her out, right? Summary's <laughs> <laughs> going out for that edge. <laughs> yes, I believe he, he does He does murder her.
1: You have to let me spread my wings, okay? I'm trying here.
2: Uh, yeah, no, by all means. I, I like that you're taking the summary to strange new places.
1: Now, was his name pronounced Radin? I've told you,
0: Mr. Radin. The doctor will be with you shortly.
2: Could you call him again, please, and tell him that I'm here?
0: I can't disturb him while he has a patient. You know that, Mr. Maiden. Later,
1: we join the same man, the man who had been the pursuer, Raiden, at his psychiatrist's office. We find out that he seems to be completely bewildered and disturbed by his actions. It turns out that he's an archaeologist, and he complains that some object he came across, a mask, had been causing these violent tendencies but the psychiatrist just kind of brushes it off like he's a crazy person. So later, Raiden is back at his.
2: He lives in a flop house.
1: Rented apartment. His what? His little box?
2: Is that <laughs> I I said said? he lives in a flop house?
1: <laughs> when he's back in his flop house with like the best landlady ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he unfortunately commits suicide, but not before mailing the mask to his psychiatrist, Barnes. So, the psychiatrist, Barnes, receives a post mortem postage and discovers it to be the mask the patient was talking about. So, the mask is kind of calling to him. It's a very spooky-looking mask, but he decides, okay, I'm going to put this thing on, and he just trips out hard. Like, it's super cursed.
2: (laughs) But yeah, walk us through that first mask sequence.
1: It's a black-and-white movie that suddenly develops this very limited color, but even just that alone kind of makes it seem a little more surreal. It's got the blues and the reds of the 3D. And... It's very otherworldly.
2: You get the prop that they clearly spent the most money on, which is the giant skull that hangs in the mask realm that looks very much like the mask. Uh, It's basically like a bejeweled skull with human round eyes. And every now and then that disembodied skull races towards the camera. And one of two things will happen. Human eyes will bug out of it in 3D. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Or snakes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it looks amazing. It looks really good. It does. And also like at that point the score really steps up a notch in that it switches from a an orchestral sound to an early experimental like Synthy sound in mm-hmm. like nineteen sixty one. So it's it, it's it's really well conceived, like every time. Every time they go to the mask realm. The movie just becomes like a total masterpiece in my view. It also becomes eerily like an Oingo Boingo music video, <laughs> but I like those.
1: <laughs> so, so my mixed review is: I, I was in the movie for those sequences, no question. After the first one, I was like, "All right, okay." Now, now they woke me up a little. Let's let's see what's going on here. But the gimmick lost its allure after the first one like I still like the sequence but within the movie like after the first one which seemed like an actual like impactful moment for the character for the movie after that it's just like okay now we need to have another one okay now we need to have (laughs) another one (laughs) and despite them being cool and like if I were like at the theater and every like 30 minutes of movie or 20 minutes of movie they were like put the mask on now and I was like okay here we go again some trippy imagery (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like if they made you watch the video from the ring in full seven times while you're watching that movie
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> even after that moment even after the dreamlike disturbing visions he has after putting it on like he is entirely shook at that point <laughs> he goes and tells his fiance, like at that point, he's already seems like uh, he's lost his mind. And he tells his fiance that he's discovered this crazy thing. And her, her name is Pamela and she advises against it, but he continues delving deeper into the mysteries of this ancient and powerful artifact that has been placed into his hands. And uh, meanwhile, in the background, there's a detective investigating the original murder, the suicide and the missing mask, trying to find a connection between all of the chaos So Pamela, concerned for Barnes' safety and waning sanity, uh, steals the mask and attempts to bring it back to a museum. But Barnes, that little scamp, goes in and steals it back. Like an addict, he goes back to the mask a few more times, but then kind of starts to become a replica of his patient from earlier. He has the same kind of visions and violent tendencies, and he eventually attacks his receptionist, who fights him off. And he heads home and frustrated at his wife's inability to see the glorious powers of the mask. He forces her to put it on and then loses it when she doesn't experience anything at all. A pretty cool sequence. then the police intercept and he dies or goes to jail, depending (laughs) on the version you have,
2: I suppose. If you rented Ernest Goes to Jail or Ernest (laughs) Dies, the R-rated director's cut. (laughs) (laughs)
1: the police intercept and the mask ends up back where it belongs on display in a museum (laughs) which is not where it belongs at all (laughs) and then where another man seems to be drawn to its strange allure rule credits yes and i guess we left out the part two that she doesn't pamela recruit one of his buddies to like kind of help her figure things out here it's like another psychiatrist who goes and talks to him for a little bit about stuff
2: yes because that's the guy because you've got to have your villain, who is technically you know our psychiatrist with the mask on uh you have to have him thump somebody, otherwise he doesn't seem like a threat, so he shows up at the house and he's there, and Pamela's there, and he's like, "Ah, get out of my way, and he thumps him <laughs> doesn't kill him though no. And just thumps him just and thump goes some. up some stairs and he's like you gotta put on this mask pamela you'll see cool shit and she's like no i hate cool shit <laughs> and then uh well he says i don't care you're gonna see some real cool shit and he puts that mask on and nothing happens which is one of the most interesting scenes in the movie but like there's no follow-up because the movie's just over at that point uh why does the mask work for some people is the mask a delusion Like, Mm -hmm. is this all in his... Like, is that just kind of something that got planted because he was aware of the mask and aware of the fantastical story about it? And and it was all kind of psychosomatic. We don't know.
1: Her not seeing anything, I think, was my favorite part of the whole movie. I thought that was a nice little thing they did there. But then they do kind of take away the... Not all of the mystery, but some of it. Because immediately I was like... Oh, I see the parallels now with, you mentioned the scratches on the cheeks and the fact that, you know, he had seen his patient with those scratches and stuff. So it's like, I think that it was just all this, um, it, it, you could have taken from her not seeing anything, um, that he was just, um, caught up in the mystery that his patient had kind of implanted in his head. Um, kind of like the, the bug, that story bug or whatever it's called, <laughs> Um, and I really like that kind of idea but then at the end it's exactly like where I, I mentioned Jumanji before where it's like <laughs> there's a new guy who seems drawn to the powers so at that point it's kind of like they're saying like maybe it just targets certain people or certain people yeah. sense the power from it
2: or maybe it's gentlemans only maybe you um, can only be a guy so. and have mask powers it
1: could because it was weird like sacrificing women in the in like the fantasy stuff so it's like maybe there was like they're trying to say it was controlled by some powerful lord or something like they don't give yeah. us any information, unfortunately.
2: No. And that's a shame because the one th- here's what I remember. Now, Sarah, I've got to ask you, I, I had only seen about 20 minutes of the mask before. And I a lot of that was one of the three mask fantasy sequences i saw it on space one afternoon space uh, the imagination station our sci-fi channel and i saw enough of the mask sequence that i was like wow i really need to watch this from beginning to end one day but i also saw enough of the non-mask sequences to think oh this movie's probably really boring when the mask stuff isn't happening (laughs) and um this may come as a shock to you but actually watching it in full from beginning to end, those mass sequences are fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the movie's really boring. <laughs> 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 in <Unfortunately>. my view.
1: Unfortunately.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, like, and here's the thing. I think the movie's really technically well-made. Like, the lighting is really good. Like, even in mm-hmm. the non mass stuff where you're seeing, you know, they, they use lighting and black-and-white photography very, very well to portray a descent into madness. And the mm-hmm. opening chase out in the woods is really well shot. There's, it is. There's good stuff here. Um, but the story of this kind of jekyll and hyde story of i have this mask and whenever i put on the mask my murderous impulses come out because i don't know all people have murderous impulses i guess (laughs) uh why doesn't why doesn't he do cool mask stuff like the stuff that jim carrey does in the mask
1: yeah exactly like get cool outfits and everything (laughs) yeah no i like it i think like I really do like, the, and now that you've said it's the first Canadian horror movie, it's kind of given me like a little bit more of, I've kind of been a little more endeared to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because I do think that the the dream sequences, they're like, they're filled with like grotesque imagery and stuff. The first one I loved, like that f- first time he goes into the mask, I was like, Okay, so I was kind of sitting there like, okay, this movie's a little dull. That landlady was awesome. but okay. <laughs>
2: We'll talk about her. She's great. Yeah. Here's the thing. The script is so competent but boring and so uninterested in exploring this really cool concept that it has that the movie's story after the first mask sequence just stops to be like hey here's a cool mask sequence mm-hmm. so the story doesn't advance the character doesn't really develop i mean no. the psychiatrist is already insane after the first one
1: that's the whole thing is like even if they had shown his development comment like a little more each time but after the first time he's like whoa I'm crazy now now I'm just gonna like just keep putting this mask on for no reason like (laughs) I feel like if they I really honestly think if they had just taken all the detective stuff out forget about that part and just like make it a character study like just make him like watching his descent into madness and like his wife or his fiance and like his friends trying to like understand what's happening to him and His violent tendencies kind of increasing.
2: Sarah, you're describing one of the best American horror movies ever made, which is a little movie called Brain Damage by Frank Hennenlotter, in which a man discovers a magical singing worm named Aylmer. (laughs) No word of a lie. I know. (laughs) In a shabby old apartment building. And Aylmer... Uh, has a very special trick which is that he can be your pal uh, but what Elmer uh, can do for you is he can uh, stick part of himself through your skull and drop hallucinogenic Kool-Aid onto your brain and you will have an amazing trip (laughs) and he'll keep doing that for you but now Elmer's hungry after the first trip the first one was free. So you have to go out and procure human brains for Aylmer. <laughs> cool. See it with some of you love. <laughs> brain brain damage rules. <laughs> That's like legit one of my favorite movies.
1: <laughs> Just sounds like little shop of horrors.
2: Oh man, it's that <laughs> and it does have a musical number. <laughs> Fantastic. There is a song called Aylmer's Tune in which the tiny psychedelic juice worm sings about how great he is
1: i've never heard a better combination of words than psychedelic juice worm
2: <laughs> well it is time to do a bit of a can con checklist on this movie it qualifies it's the first canadian horror movie it, a studio was built in kleinberg ontario to start making canadian movies For Julian Rothman and indeed Rothman is Canadian as is composer Louis Applebaum as are several of the actors. I do think that it is interesting that Rothman uh, grew out of the National Film Board of Canada so he had actually cut his teeth not making feature-length movies but military training films in World War II. Yeah what's really notable about this is that it's the first Canadian horror movie, it's the first Canadian 3D movie, and it's the first Canadian movie to get u.s distribution from a major studio because this was a warner brothers release right and as i discovered to my shock the mask was a huge financial hit in the states really and the reviews were good
1: really because i was looking at quite a few reviews and they were all pretty negative
2: (laughs) were they recent reviews though
1: yeah you know what i'm i think it was a, a bit of a mix but I think more of them might have been like recent, like kind of looking back on the movie and stuff.
2: Yeah, because I mean, this movie has totally lost whatever cachet it had in 1961. But right. when it came out at the time, the worst reviews that I found from contemporary critics uh, back in the 60s was that oh, the script's not that inspired, but everything else is cool.
1: Oh, awesome! Which is still technically true yeah i agree yeah
2: (laughs) you know it's and and i guarantee you like you and i did not have the pleasure of seeing the 3d effects on the big screen and the way they did it and i don't know if you know how they did it sarah but it makes the movie extra fun
1: i don't think i do
2: (laughs) so i had always been under the impression that put the mask on now Mm-hmm. was assigned to the audience that, oh, a 3D part's going to be- begin, I'll put on my 3D glasses. Yeah. Not exactly. Put the mask on now was a sign uh, for the audience to put on their super scary magic mask because there was a replica, a cheap plastic replica of the mask's mask that you put on that had the 3D lenses in it. Oh. So you would be surrounded by people wearing a cheap knockoff of the mask in the movie?
1: Oh my gosh, I love that. I saw a picture of the 3D glasses and I don't know if they're actually correct or not, but they were just like really cute and they look like like gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like uh, maybe that was something completely different
2: no that sounds about right like it was it was definitely like a hastily made like make it look kind of like that skull as much as you can but for like five bucks <laughs>
1: and i like it <laughs> <but> <laughs> i mean i think they look incredible
2: yeah i, I yeah. just i had always pictured it being you know like those cardboard 3d glasses that you got in the movies
1: just generic but no no i love that they were like themed i think that's super cool
2: yeah, that that adds to the experience and that you'd all be wearing your tiny little mask mask uh, in the Aww. theater.
1: I wish I had a set. That'd be such a cool keepsake.
2: Yeah, that that is such a cool kind of communal experience that that is a thing we should do in Canada, even though the mask is not very good. The experience of seeing the mask while surrounded by folks wearing the mask, all seeing the mask hallucinations at once. That's a fun experience. That's like something you can only get from going to the theater.
1: I'm totally waiting for the, the, you know what? I I completely agree. If we had been able to go to like some small theater showing this with the 3D glasses, like that would, I think that would totally change the experience of this movie.
2: It would not make the movie better, but would make the experience way better.
1: Exactly. Hey, in turn, it could make the movie a little bit better.
2: The 3D mask is the Miracle Movie Fright Mask. That's what it was called. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: wait what was called that
2: we wanted to see the 3d sequences you put on your miracle movie fright mask
1: that's so fun oh wait there was also an alternate title for this movie wasn't there eyes of hell yes that's a sick title
2: <laughs> that is that's actually a much better title than the mask
1: okay it, it definitely is especially now in 2019 like the mask is definitely makes you think of something else first mm-hmm. which is the jim carrey movie but eyes of hell i was thinking over it and i'm like does not really make sense like i don't know why it's called eyes of hell because it is about a mask it's not about like an eye patch or something or a glass <laughs> eye
2: <laughs> well you know he's he's seeing with his own eyes a vision of hell
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it, you know. it very much you know stopped me because someone should always stop me when I start comparing things to Silent Hill. But it did remind mm-hmm. me a little bit of Silent Hill.
2: <laughs> Naturally. Because there's so many pyramid heads walking around.
1: Oh Well, that would have put the icing on the cake. 10 out of 10. <laughs> but it, it definitely was where it's like this normal guy is kind of a descent into madness after seeing these hellish visions that like no human should be kind of privy to. Yeah. And there a lot of the imagery, too, was just kind of, like, weird and, again, like, grotesque and odd.
2: Yes. And not to play, like, Backstreet... Backstreet... Backstreet back, Boys. Yeah. Backstreet's <laughs> back, back with the mask. Um Oh, God, if they sampled that in one of their songs, I would have so much respect for the Backstreet Boys <laughs> if they sampled Put the Mask On Now. Would <laughs> how, how did Even the Backstreet though... Boys make a music video where they're all universal monsters and yet not use Canada's classic line Put the Mask On Now in their video? <laughs> Unless I'm confusing them with like Five Ive, O-Town, or NSYNC, which I might be. I forget who did the Rock Your Body Right video.
1: No, that was Backstreet Boys. You're talking to the right person. <laughs> I was a teenage girl at one point in my
2: life. I was about to say, you were a girl in the 90s. You would know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, not to play the uh, Fuck.
1: Adam, I will kill you. <laughs> You're killing me right
2: <laughs>
1: now. <laughs> You're one of the most articulate people I know, and yet you've said backscreet twice.
2: <laughs> well you know back screen well i had said back screen once and then back screen had to come back All right, exactly so, oh,
1: God. okay one more time <laughs> but yes not to play
2: backseat screenwriter but with a movie like the mask one avenue that would make it really interesting as a story would be to kind of pull a silent hill type thing where you're slowly kind of peeling back weirdness where maybe you're getting a taste of a little bit of hallucination when you put on the mask and then that line becomes blurred where the hapless person whoever's the central focus of a remake of the mask with a better script is now starting to see reality and the mask visions as no different like he starts seeing crazier and crazier things without the mask on
1: that would be so cool
2: yeah, like it warps his view of the world rather than just takes him to a fantasy land.
1: Pick aside, and like I really like the ambiguity of it, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: the movie seems so like cut and dry all the way up until the end.
2: And that's probably why the mask sequences are so passive in a way. Like they're passive in the narrative, in that, you know, he just puts on a mask and then we're treated to a cool, short, surreal film. And then he takes off the mask and goes, Weird. Anyway, and the movie continues.
1: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Tragically, you could cut those mass sequences out and just make this about a murderous psychiatrist. It would make just as much sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but then no, no, you need those sequences. They got to be somewhere because they're super cool.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no one would remember the movie otherwise. I think the movie was intended to be constructed as this psychological thriller where you do get all the great thrills of the mass sequences, but they don't like seep into the narrative that much they're just things that are experienced by the main character and you're left to think especially highlighted by that last scene uh with pamela you're left to think oh it's all in his head or is it and you don't know
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that's had they committed to that (laughs) that could have worked also and that would have been haunting in its own way exactly But you need Jacques Tourneur, who made the original Cat People, to make that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like Julian Rothman shows uh, a lot of talent, but, but he's not like one of the all time great, sadly, despite making like three incredible surreal short films that are in 3D that are just interspersed throughout the movie.
1: What's Cat People about?
2: Cat People is about a lady who is convinced that when in a passionate state, She will become essentially a werecat, a murderous cat creature. We're left with the impression up until the very end that she might be crazy or she might be telling the truth. We're not given a straight answer in Cat People. That's why the original Cat People works as well as it does and why a lot of the Val Lewton, Jacques Tourneur movies are as interesting and fun to revisit as they are i'm surprised you haven't seen the original cat people you
1: know what like this is sounding like something i'd really like
2: you would i'm glad you you got us on this path in terms of conversation because i hadn't considered that i hadn't considered that this was going for like a val luton vibe but it totally is (laughs) it just kind of stinks at it it's just basically the dorky canadian little brother to those movies (laughs) That's its legacy.
1: (laughs) I will admit, I was a little bored during the movie, but it's not like horrendous. Like, there's not things about it that make it, and that's what's weird. Sometimes, like, a bad movie is a bad movie, but this one was just like genuinely just a little boring
2: yeah it's a bland movie that has that has some good spice in it every once in a while believe you me i like boring
1: (laughs) like i could if it's done right i could watch a movie of someone sitting in a chair for two hours if there's just like if the atmosphere is good and if the music is good and if like whatever they're trying to get across is good but it's like this one it's not like the good kind of like boring it is just kind of dull if that's
2: Yes, it's the, right the it, it's the bad kind of boring, which I, I tend to think of as like, oh, it's like Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> In the YouTube age, it's kind of perfect to to watch The Mask because all you all you would need to do is watch an abridged version of this movie. You would just need to watch fifteen minutes, get like a little bit of the end, especially that scene with Pamela where she's wearing the mask and sees nothing, and you get a little bit of the beginning for setup and preferably uh that scene at the very very beginning the prologue in which the mask expert goes masks they're crazy people wear them to hide their features but they also wear them to pretend to be devils and gods is this good or evil who can say anyway (laughs) here's a story about a mask that's definitely evil (laughs) like what a silly movie but uh and of course all the mask stuff like there's, there's highlights to the movie, and, and there's like 15 minutes of extremely entertaining, well-made stuff in there. Although there is something to be said about uh, Canada as being a place where people's imaginations run wild when they put on masks, but they're boring as fuck in day-to-day life. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the most Canadian message of all. <laughs>
1: hey, that's the Scaritage moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it came early. <laughs> but how these sequences came about because you'll see in the credits that the mass sequences were designed by a montage artist named Slavko Vorkopic and i might be pronouncing that wrong but slavko which is easier to say than his last name and also it's fun to say slavko like it's a company that makes slabs <laughs> <laughs> But he he had he had worked in, in Hollywood, he was a Yugoslavian guy, worked in Hollywood, and he had done special effects and montage sequences, uh, even for something as famous as Mr. Smith Goes to Washington from 1939. So he was very well respected. And he would have been a get for the movie. So Rothman hires him. This Canadian director hires him to make the cool fantasy mass sequences, and they have a blueprint of what they want to do, but they basically give him carte blanche to go nuts. It's like just make it crazy because it looks like the script was written, and this explains a lot. Was written with the fantasy sequences not affecting the narrative. They were just like spaces empty. Insert fantasy sequence here. Slavko will 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 provide. Yeah, but he didn't. And he no. <laughs> oh no! You know the story?
1: No, no, no. I was just like kind of going along with
2: it <laughs>
1: i could see where that was going <laughs> yes
2: and i i've read a couple of of not exactly conflicting things but there were some accounts that said he was just very slow working so he was working on it but he just couldn't make deadlines and i've also read accounts where it's like no 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 he he, he took the money and ran like he didn't work on the movie at all
1: oh lord that's so sad
2: yeah yeah and it's it's a shame he's he's credited for the best part of the movie he did little to none of it and rothman and the crew and a few people uh creative folks that he got together uh including a psychiatrist to verify the uh truth of the symbolism of the fantasy sequences yep (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) that's so silly but okay
2: <laughs> but he got he got a team together to make the fantasy sequences as creative and interesting and possible and he shot them himself with their input they all collaborated and so it's this big collaboration like rothman in the rest of the normal part of the movie shows some talent as a director but he really shines in those sequences because they're so creative and so interesting
1: Big time, yeah. Like you would expect someone who is usually immersing themselves in that through art or whatever would come up with something like that. But it seems like he just kind of pulled these out of nowhere and he's like, Yeah, I know it's weird.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it must have arose out of a, a total panic when, you know, you get this get who's going to be yeah. the special effects guy for your movie, basically. Oh, man. The deal in, in the contract was he had to be credited no matter what. So Rothman gets no credit for the work that he did on those sequences, even though he and the the folks that he gathered together for essentially his, his creative team, they're the ones responsible for how that looks and what the imagery that you see and how kind of like stagey and kind of brilliant it is.
1: That's so unfair. I mean, it's good that people know now, but it's like, I'm sure that affected his career in some way.
2: Yeah, Rothman didn't direct again this no. is the last movie he made uh and slavko well, i haven't i haven't kept up with him i'm sure he was fine
1: <laughs> <laughs> no he's being haunted by his
2: own <laughs> by his own mask of ineptitude
1: like what did you leave thinking that that mask was all about was it just like a cursed artifact or like how did you feel about it
2: I took it at face value, which is to say I took it as the corniest thing possible because this is very much a story that, though it does not have a cursed Native American burial ground, it is basically about stealing an artifact from a culture that white folks, especially like big city white folks, would see as primitive and then like putting it on and paying a dire price for it mm-hmm. Uh Either because there are things civilized man is not meant to know, or that other cultures are just evil. And so I took it as a story about that.
1: Definitely, yeah.
2: An okay thriller that very lightly implies foreigners' bad. Yeah, because
1: again, like I hate to speculate and be like, well, this could have made it better, and this could have made it better. But believe me, I'm doing it in my head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you? I mean, how did you take the mask?
1: Well, what I, well, yeah, like, I think I've expressed before that I was kind of enjoying the idea that maybe he was just, like, making it up. Like, and especially with them kind of trying to, like, kind of plant that seed with his wife not seeing anything or his fiance. But one thing I really did like was I like that he never really did try to fight it. He was just, like, immediately kind of giving in to whatever it was. If I'm I'm remembering correctly, it's like, I feel like he was just kind of like, no, this is really cool. Like, you guys need to see it. I need to investigate it. This is crazy. And it was affecting him negatively, but he was more drawn to it than he was trying to like fight it off. And I think that's a little refreshing because quite often it's like so much of a movie about something like this would just be the people trying so hard to deny it and like get away from it and blah, blah, blah. He's kind of embracing it. And it's other people trying to stop him. So the landlady, Adam. Mm -hmm. She was great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the correct opinion. Yes,
1: she's a very funny character in this movie, and like not just funny, but like she's definitely a little out of place. (laughs) (laughs) So many of the characters, like a lot of them, are very like played straight, and and not there's not many gimmicks or quirks. Like some of them have a little bit. Like the detective is surprisingly bland where you think if anyone you can play with is the detective character he could have been all quirky and interesting and but are out of everyone that landlady is the one who just stands out where i'm like where did this character come
2: from
1: (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah played by eleanor b croft when raiden goes back to his little flop house and he's so distressed about this like this is at the beginning of the movie and he's so distressed about this mask and like what it's doing to him and he thinks he murdered somebody but he doesn't have the full recollection of it so he's just kind of like in 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 despairing over the idea that he this mask has pushed him to murder and he goes in and then there's this like awesome quirky introduction of his landlady who's kind of the equivalent of chasing him around with a broom <laughs> yelling at him about being messy and sloppy and she's just this little stout lady. It <laughs> it's just so great and then like when he commits suicide in the room leaving his body for her to find she acts like it's such an inconvenience to her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she says, oh no, all my tenants will move out. Exactly.
1: And she's being super nosy and as they're trying to have this like investigation um, about this guy like the police are there and everything she's just like peeking over their shoulders and looking at their notes (laughs) and i also love that earlier he had like requested that she send his package for him which was the mask to the psych to barnes the psychiatrist and she was so mad about it but she still did it like i kind of like that they had this little relationship between them (laughs) (laughs) that is a nice detail and i'm just kind of focusing on it because not only was she just great but i i wish that they had kind of kept a little bit more of that. Like that's right at the beginning and it kind of gives you this idea that that's going to be kind of the style of the movie. But there's no other characters like her. I guess the secretary's a little quirky.
2: But not she's not like a big bold funny character the way Mrs. Kelly is. When I think of Mrs. Kelly, I think of the way actress Una O'Connor was used in the old-time Universal horror movies directed by James Whale. And in you know Bride of Frankenstein, and I believe the original Frankenstein, and the Wolf Man, Una O'Connor was the old lady who looked like a Haddock, who would s- scream and and fall over herself and be slapsticky. So for those trying to remember who that is, it's like in, in Bride of Frankenstein, she's the one who recognizes all this talk of the the evil Dr. Pretorius and her <laughs> only reaction is to go is to freeze in her steps and go, "Dr. Pretorius!" Blah! and scream. And she does this like 9 times throughout the
1: film. <laughs> she was fantastic. Like she added so much camp to that movie that I was just like, "Okay, this is going to be good." <laughs>
2: Oh, for which movie? Fred Frankenstein. Oh, okay, okay.
1: (laughs) Sorry, now we're getting, all of our lines are crossed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I confess, I have a bit of a, uh, I'm not crazy about the comedy stylings of (laughs) (laughs) O'Connor. I'm, a lot of people love them. I'm kind of allergic to it because the movie will just stop and she'll say, Dr. (laughs) Pretorius," And it'll happen like nine times.
1: Something can be funny, genuinely funny. And then something can be like not funny at all so that it puts me into hysterics. (laughs) And that's like, I (laughs) I have such a problem with that where it's like something like that is you're right. I actually don't think it's like technically funny, but it's so dumb that like, I cannot help but just laugh at just the the ridiculousness of that being a thing <laughs>
2: <laughs> i can see that and and i think that's a that's a thing that you've uh pointed me to in the past as you are the one who showed me uh the vegan rap
1: yes
0: if you avoid thoughts that are deep i will never call you a sheep i respect
2: you and sheep don't use sheep as an insult if uh, which a, a person which several people are encouraging viewers on youtube not to use animals as insults for people it's like do not call me a cow that's rude I would not give you a cow's attitude well
1: one they're really good at rhyming
2: oh absolutely the rap <laughs> is the, flawless
1: but the best part is that yeah they're constantly like that insults you and cows <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if I eat too much don't call me a pig that insults me and pigs <laughs>
2: it's so good yes Uh, so that rap has an unarconic quality Um, what I was going to say about uh, uh, Mrs. Kelly is that Mrs. Kelly is kind of like an unarconic character except I find her genuinely funny (laughs) Um, and I think it's totally on purpose and she's great and she has not just my favorite line in the movie Sarah but the very moment that I would call my scaredage moment from Ooh, this movie surprise
1: Scaritage moment yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're doing oh, no, I did, like the flashback music <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not sure why you got all wayne's world there <laughs> 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 we're gonna cut to the uh, alternate ending in which noah's arcade wins <laughs> but it's the part where it's the part where radden commits suicide and of course mrs kelly is there to talk to the police and she's fraught uh and and despairing at the idea that her tenants will move out because of a suicide rather than there is a dead man in my building (laughs) and it's a loss of life so she starts blaming it on the artifacts that radden had and she goes on a bit of a rant about all those doodads
1: he was trouble him and his doodads and his ways
0: call
2: mark will you bill <laughs> yes. and i think the most canadian thing of all is to uh have a hissy fit about doodads essentially what looks like merchandise from a tiki bar <laughs> not knowing what to call them and settling on doodads that to me is a very canadian <laughs> moment what about you
1: um uh, fortunately i didn't really have one except for the fact that a lot of the set looked like toronto <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was so exactly. it Places, yes.
1: and as i was watching it i was like this museum hmm this uh, yeah this looks like toronto and then i looked it up and i was like it entirely shot in toronto and i was like there we go <laughs> yep. i didn't i honestly didn't know that going in and kind of shocked me it was kind of nice it was like watching an episode of murdoch mysteries <laughs>
2: <laughs> you've heard it here first folks the mask from 1961 is the murdoch mysteries of horror movies <laughs> The cast is, with the exception, I think, of Pamela, and actually also uh, the very little seen uh, receptionist. The like it's it's only really in fact and the landlady. It's the women who are really good in the movie, but like all the men are really bland. Uh I, I will say, like, what little we see uh, of of red, <laughs> Radon uh of of the cursed man at the beginning, uh who I believe is giving us our voiceover of put the mask on now. He's pretty good, but he's in like two scenes and he dies, and then we're left with a really bland guy. And it's hard to care when his descent into madness is more or less communicated with, like, a cocked eyebrow.
1: Yeah, and, like, I... Was I... Just missing. I was honestly trying to pay attention, but some of the people were starting to get jumbled in my head.
2: Yeah, Um, they're all boring people in suits.
1: Yeah, they all looked identical to each other.
2: Like, I remembered the archaeologist buddy who was able to tell the police that the cursed mask was missing because he was bald. So I remembered, hey, there's that bald guy.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And like, was the woman in the hallucinations his secretary like was that the same actress or no
2: oh it's hard to tell because her they're both just pretty blonde ladies (laughs) that's true but like in the mask sequence remember she's wearing this eyes without a face looking plastic mask
1: i forgot to bring up that was my favorite part in the first sequence when they show her coming through and everyone has different masks on but Mm. for the first couple minutes because i think there's a total of like 15 16 minutes of hallucination in this movie which no. is pretty that's a lot of time for a, a movie that was only an hour and 20 minutes or even less than an hour and 20 minutes yeah but in the first sequence like she for the first little bit i couldn't tell if that was her real face or not and then they get close mm. enough where you can see the holes were like her, it's her real eyes behind that mask and yeah. i was like that's genuinely unnerving it looked really
2: good oh you should really watch uh the french horror film eyes without a face if you haven't because it's totally stealing from that (laughs) i know i've
1: seen that like pictures from that and it's so creepy (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. inspiring the billy idol song of the same name
1: (laughs) (laughs) no the billy idol song inspired those movies
2: (laughs) (laughs) traveled back in time (laughs) (laughs) i will potentially ask you to do sarah is to let the listeners know where they can find out uh, or they, where I, I they can reach us. I was literally
1: just going to yell, prom night, prom night, because I thought <laughs> you were going to say what the next movie will be. Ah. got all excited.
2: <laughs> well, we can do that first.
1: I don't even know if it's prom night. I'm just trying to force that option on us. Well, we
2: can. There's, I mean, we have so many options. There's there's Bells. There's pool. There's uh, The Picks, a.k.a. The Hooker Cult Murders. Now, you know,
1: I have a weird thing where I like to, if I can, maybe do something old and then something new or back and forth or whatever. We just did the very first.
2: The oldest.
1: The oldest Canadian horror movie. So why not do the most modern one and do prom night?
2: <laughs> sold
1: <laughs> also um the reason this is in my head so much is because at both of the places i work are both connected to a high school oh. and prom is in the air it's <laughs> prom time and all i <laughs> one of my last shifts there was just hundreds of kids walking around in their prom outfits and i was like "Ooh, it's like a horror movie <laughs>
2: <laughs> you were secretly thinking i want to watch them get murdered <laughs>
1: not secretly i said that to like everyone
2: <laughs> i've well, been fired <laughs> that's okay because if we're following movie logic you will be hired as a creepy janitor at that very school <laughs> a janitor <laughs> with a secret
1: Ah, uh, cool
2: <laughs> you'll be like the groundskeeper in pieces who's always menacingly waggling his eyebrows and holding a chainsaw <laughs> while chainsaw murders are going on he's a red herring he's not the murderer <laughs> well i cannot resist this plea i think after we've dipped our toes into one of canada's most famous series with scanners and scanner cop how can we not help ourselves by starting with another one of canada's long-running series which may surprise some people prom night so you know what let's let's do it differently this time all the prom night movies well most of the prom night movies are fairly different let's marathon the prom night movies for the next four episodes
1: Are you serious? 100%. (laughs) OMG.
2: Yeah. Because for those who do not know, the first Prom Night, which you have seen, right? Yes. That. A long time ago,
1: though, so this is kind of exciting to rewatch it.
2: Well, from memory, what is Prom Night? What type of movies? What type of horror is it?
1: A slasher.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Now, logic dictates that the second movie should be a slasher movie.
1: Of course, Adam. It would be ridiculous to change genres like that.
2: Yes, which is why it is a body-hopping ghost revenge movie with Michael Ironside.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
2: So naturally, you think that Prom Night is now an anthology series. It's, it's, it's living up to Halloween's potential. Every movie's going to be different.
1: Yeah, they just went with it. They didn't fall under pressure. They just did it.
2: But Prom Night 3 is a direct sequel to Prom Night 2.
1: Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) it picks up with the same ghost.
1: Cool, cool, cool.
2: So you think maybe then uh, Mary Lou of Hello, Mary Lou Prom Night 2 fame has taken over the series. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Up there with Chud 2, Bud the Chud. (laughs) You would think after two Mary Lou movies... Mm-hmm. this is the mary lou series now
1: why not just keep going with it clearly if it, there was two it's got to be a successful plot point yeah
2: kids went crazy in canada for the horror comedy stylings of mary lou mahoney undoubtedly or possibly maloney it's been a long time since i've seen hello mary lou prom night Maloney. <laughs> <laughs> Where we've now gotten into the name game—that
1: <laughs> was also the most like old person joke ever—and I love that you just laughed out loud at it.
2: <laughs> I, I expect nothing less from you. <laughs> <laughs> Megaphonic FM's dad, Sarah Chamberlain. <laughs> uh, so naturally, how does the series end with its fourth installment? Clearly, this is going to be the end of a trilogy of Mary Lou Mahoney stories.
1: Well, yes. <laughs> I believe you in the end.
2: But Promenade Four is another slasher movie. Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, yay, that's what I want.
2: <laughs> so Adam,
1: what you're actually saying, now that you've concluded, you know, one to four the synopsis, I this is the perfect series for you and I to watch because it's got equal parts sla- gory slasher, me, and equal parts ghost story, you.
2: <laughs> that's true. You know what? I I'm always I'm always aiming for more uh supernatural stuff and you are always aiming for more uh messed up killers knifing up youngsters so that makes perfect sense my guys there we may have found the perfect series for our tastes it also makes sense why you were really pushing for a psychological take on the mask whereas i wanted a surreal <laughs> all mask version all mask hallucinations version of the mask. that's so true <laughs> oh man but yeah Next time on this show, and for the next few next times, we are settling in for the big one, because it's going to be two months of From Night Movies.
1: I'm so ready. I'm going to watch them all in a row.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If people want to get in touch with us, and they're going to want to know where they can put on their special movie fright headphones so they can listen to this and future episodes uh where can they do so
1: they can find us on the megaphonic website megaphonic.fm under the scaritage banner or they can find us on our very active twitter account at scaritage spelled s-c-a-r-e-i-t-a-g-e just like the title without the hyphen Wow! Ah. <laughs> that's part you're supposed to say
2: <laughs> <laughs> i was i was just watching you looking at me and like i saw like a little sweat line go down <laughs> it's like she'll eventually <laughs> say it i don't have to <laughs> exactly i can just wait it out
1: <laughs> they can email us i would love receiving emails i think that's the funnest actually because you can mm-hmm. say so much in an email at scare at megaphonic.fm that's a nice easy one too so you don't have to try to get the itage in there
2: <laughs> indeed indeed yes that's that's where our fr- french canadian email is scary <laughs> which really should be purry but that's a whole other thing
1: <laughs> and also they can find us on itunes and a whole bunch of other listening programs and give us five-star reviews that's what they can do find us and give us a five-star review
2: <laughs> yes your review may be right on the air
1: <laughs> yes i think i said it all
2: you did you did congratulations okay. well that just about wraps it up for uh this episode of a part of our Scaritage. uh so on behalf of your Scaritage team um this is adam clark
1: and i'm two-thirds of the Scaritage team sarah chamberlain
2: sarah chamberlain and her mask
1: <laughs> turn, turn off, off the, the podcast, podcast now, now. now. now.
2: Oh, we should have watched Brain Damage. It's not too late to change this podcast to a part of our American attention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How could you even say that, Adam? I already (laughs) bought the (laughs) t-shirt.
2: That's true. That's sacrilege. I I would never do such a thing. We're committed to watching all four prom night movies.